It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. It's our final hour on Thursdays. Brad Powers is going to be in in about 40 minutes to give us leans and likes for the weekend of college football. Stanford Rout will join us in less than 20 on the Raiders. DeMond's here. It's Cofield, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. Offices in Henderson, Reno, and Las Vegas. It's 766-1400. Big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. So we finished up last hour briefly getting into, and this is fun stuff. What's going on with Deion Sanders at Colorado and Jay Norvell at Colorado State? I'm sure people listening in Reno right now are like, ugh, Jay Norvell. So Norvell trying to talk a little trash. It's a weird piece of trash talk, but tries to go after Dion for the way he dresses. And I sat down with ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off, and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. <laughs> Okay, so I guess that plays with the audience in Fort Collins. You know what else would play with the audience in Fort Collins? Dion. Because when you win, most fans are not going to care. Now, there will be fans in Colorado who may not like the glasses and the bravado and Shador talking trash um, after the next two games when they lose by a combined 50 against Oregon and USC, which, by the way, I don't think that's going to happen against Oregon. Uh, we'll see what happens against USC. But, but winning can – you know, a lot of that – old school mentality or even honestly I think there are people and and Dion addressed it after the first win right remember how he said oh he's like oh they don't like it mm-hmm. they don't like it when he got a black coach and he's coaching 75% roster with uh, black players and there you know there's a brashness of, oh they don't like it. and he's right there are people who aren't comfortable with it because they expect their football coach to be stodgy and football guy and fire and brimstone and you know hey coach congrats on the big win what a fun moment we're just looking ahead to the next game. Like, enjoy yourself a little bit. Let the kids enjoy it. The kids of Colorado are enjoying it. They are enjoying it. And there's a reason they had a flood of transfers because I just mentioned to you during the break, Dion is 56. And you're like, he is? And that's the point here. He doesn't seem like he's 56 because he's still dressing in a lot of the ways that he did when he was in his 20s, when he was the, you know, the master of style in both Major League Baseball and the NFL. Yeah, I think it's great that Dion is able to do this where kids, they want to have fun, and the team, they take that approach. Also, some videos have dropped. Colorado, they, they did hear about the hat reference. And people are joking, hey, Colorado by 50. But if you saw Dion, Dion said oh, yeah. that bull junk, and then there was, like I want to say, a defensive coach, not the D.C., but there was another coach that he had the team fired up as well. He was like, they not going to come in our hood. And it was like, oh, man, these boys, yeah. oh, they getting fired up. I really don't think Jay Norvell cares. And I think Jay Norvell's probably closer to the players than he sounded there. Uh, Jay Norvell's only 60. and But his background's a little bit different, right? He, he played at Iowa. He played for Hayden Fry. Iowa's still kind of a stiff atmosphere, uh, although it's oftentimes out of control with Kirk Ferentz. Uh, you know, look one way and do do things a different way. He just comes from a different background. And I think he wanted to throw out a little bit of trash talk here. But, you know, I got to say, 
the more this gets stirred up and the more Dion can go full Dion as a college football coach, the better it is to view and the better it is for college football. Because for me, it's hearkening back to, you know, we were talking about the 80s earlier about, you know, basketball. We were talking about whatever, drug issues in the 80s. But, you know, one of the other big things in the 80s and into the very early 90s in sports, one of the biggest stories every year was Miami football. And I know he went to Florida State. And Florida State had some of those elements, but no one did it like Miami football. Like they didn't have, they didn't care if you approved. They were gonna beat your ass. They were gonna mock on you. They were gonna showboat. And I'm starting to feel like the more Colorado wins and the more, you know, legitimate up the ladder wins they get, it's it, I'm gonna say it this way. It's only going to get worse for you people who are annoyed by Dion, because he's going he is going to act like he did when he was a player, and this is very hurricane like. And I also think that when they do catch that first loss of the season, it's not going to be as bad because I know, know that the hate, it's, it's so, you know, it's so tremendous, you know, the backlash that he's getting. But with the winning that he's already had early in the season, when they get that first loss, it's going to be, we didn't expect to come. We didn't expect to, you know, go 12-0. and You guys didn't even have us to win three games. Of course right. we're going to lose one game. Already got the narrative cushioned in for when they lose one. <laughs> Number three. Now this sounds so bizarre. But if you don't know the situation in the Phoenix area, uh, you'll get to understand it here in a second. Um, headline from Front Office Sports. Phoenix Suns are giving away TV antennas to fans. What? Well, because this, I think it was the Diamond Sports Group, owns so many properties regionally covering local teams, and they had to declare bankruptcy, it's affecting NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball teams. And... The Knights were the first ones out of the gates. They cut a deal, you know, not uh, non-nationally televised games will fall into the hands of 13 here, which is scripts, right? So you're going to get a lot more local coverage and access to games. You won't be shut out. Well, Phoenix made a quick move as well, and they're off cable. So now we got to go back in time. And yeah, you're going to have to use an antenna to get the games. 70-plus games of the Phoenix Suns are going to be on a local channel. Um, and you can fill out a form, and the Suns will send you an antenna for free. I think that is really cool. Now, here's the thing. If you're going to gripe about it, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right? Because the funny thing is we have a whole group of people who are like, a cord cutting, I can't, I can't find anything anymore. It takes, you know, 15 steps to do it. And then, then you've got younger people who are like, antenna? What? They can't make Ollie happy. So you're going to have to make a little effort here to get the Phoenix Suns games on TV. This is a positive. This is good news. People shouldn't be complaining. I heard, did, I heard the promo earlier. Was Bischoff complaining that he couldn't get big CBS on his TVs? What, what does he have? If he has direct TV like I do, if the game was not there. You, turned, you, you, turned you can't pay eight. for local channels? I don't know what individually. Am I, I have, supposed you know to what? pay for an individual channel? Devon, I've been away from Directv for the breakup was clean. Uh, I have no idea what they have. Yeah, I I ended up finding a way to stream the game. Yeah, you found a way. Yes, but, but you didn't rely on an antenna, which I'm again, we're not telling everyone go do it illegally, but you do what you got to do. I wonder is Matt Ishby a pan for this? I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Well, I, I don't I don't want to be a smartass, but... Hey, we uh, know he can afford it. Ishby is putting up a lot of the money for Mel Tucker's contract. I wanted to make that joke. When this is... Uh, why didn't you do it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, when, when, sadly, when this is all done, 
there's probably going to be a negotiated buyout, and Michigan State won't be on the hook for $80 million. It'll it'll still be expensive. Buyout might be like $15, $20, 25000000 million. So he he's still throwing a lot in the kitty at Michigan State, but he's got the money. And it, this is a good way to – I think it's smart, just enough of the regional sport net, networks and being at their – their mercy, take control in your hands and make sure the fans are getting the games. Real quick question. How much would you pay for an individual game? NBA, MLB, doesn't matter. Uh, zero. Um, what What individual game? The Super I Bowl? Mean, no, I'm saying if, if they take it off a of cable. Yeah. Hey, we're just going to go. You come to, you go to phoenixsuns.com and you can get a package. You can get the entire season. Uh, you can well, pay for a game. You can. Okay. Well, for a game, it's stupid. I would, I would spend the extra money and get the whole season. Like, if they took all Jets games off, well, this season I'm done, so it doesn't matter. So, again, zero. Number two. Unless I get Jameis Winston, then I'm, I'm all in. Whatever you want to charge me. Love that man. Go get him. So, what's been going on with Stephen A. Smith and, and now Shannon Sharp, who's part of the crew, over from FS1? Is Stephen A. sort of taking shots at FS1? Oh, yeah, he definitely is. He was on the Joe Budden podcast. I mean, to break this news on Joe Budden's show, where it's – he was pushed out. He didn't leave on his own accord. I think he's confirming. He said, that's his story to tell. But I'm telling you that he was pushed out. So he's breaking the news. We all knew it. We all knew that Skip didn't want him there. But Stephen A is confirming that for us. And the ratings are a killer. They're doing like 700,000 with Shannon on. Yep. Undisputed, 100,000. It's always been the case. The, the, the Skip show has never done that well. And like I said, the only... The real reason to watch it was because they had, you know, very easily digestible 90-second clips, which it was all Shannon, screaming and yelling and being high energy. Yeah, the few times I've seen Skip with, like, 19 football players around him, I'd, I'd like, this is what he wanted? Is this really what he wanted? Like, I don't think – I think that he thought he's a bigger star than this. He's not. And But, but Fox has made him a bigger star by giving him a high salary, so I guess take the salary, but the – like, to reinvent and go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to bring on a guy that I can control. Let's bring in Michael Irvin. What? Irvin is crazy. He is certifiably crazy. But he's great because he's such high energy. And at any moment, he can just be like, ah! He starts. He's another one. He starts hyperventilating. I'm like, that that screaming match a couple weeks ago with Richard Sherman was was brilliant I'm TV. only one of the best I ever do it. You know, I like that. I like that Stephen A... Because we do have a lot of people in the media who will take shots at others and they'll subtweet like pansies and not mention names. Uh, I like that Stephen A. is like openly talking about the stuff. And I don't know if he said like, you know what? I don't like Skip. So F him. Here's the skinny on this. Nah, he still likes him. You think he does? Yeah. he, he, okay. well, he always, Even when he talks about Max Kellerman well, on his Stephen A. show where he's on his podcast, he's like, I've got nothing but love for him. Just, just couldn't do a show with him. So he's got nothing but love for everybody. Well, I, I believe he likes the competition. He's challenged by the competition. He's motivated by the competition. Top story. Number one. Marshawn Lynch. On a podcast told Kevin Hart that he drank around 15 cases of Hennessy after the team's Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. Now, I don't know if that was in one night. I find this story... Sort of funny and illustrating, hey, that's how hard the loss hit me. But there's also a serious side to this. You know, he still hasn't finished up his whole deal. 
with the uh, drunk driving incident where he basically was driving up. Well, he was pulled over on the side of the road. I think it was on industrial on his rims in some high powered. I think it was a Mustang. I think that is, I believe, going to court finally in November. So can we can we balance this? Because, by the way, we haven't heard anything in Vegas from Marshawn Lynch since. Right. Like he was a presence around the Raiders. I would I would see him out. I know one of the restaurants he goes to to pick up some noodles. Um, we haven't seen it. It's gotten completely quiet here with Marshawn Lynch in Vegas. He's still so, got a store here. So how do you balance like, man, I, I, I drank a, you know, a case of Hennessy. Can we just laugh at that? Or we're like, wait a second. Are you an alcoholic? Yeah. When it comes to former players, if they're still, sh- if they're presenting themselves as well, we have to just enjoy the jokes. Okay. Until I it gets sad. I won't tie them together. Yeah. That is still a very interesting case. And I don't, I don't know if he's in a position right now to talk about freaking binge drinking because he had a tough loss. I think he's got to be a little bit careful. But that's that's his brand. Ever since he said it to Peyton, I would have a shot of Hennessy before a game. Yeah. That's his brand now. I mean, here's reality, too. When the legal process finishes up here, what do you think he's getting? Because he's repped by, you know, another one of these dudes who's great handling celebrities in Vegas. So he's probably it's probably going to be a very small item up on the web, and most of us will forget about it. And it's like, hey, but just back to normal for Marshawn. Fun-loving Marshawn. Nice little slap on the wrist. Coming up, Stanford route on the Raiders, looking ahead to the Bills game and also looking back at the opening season victory. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Routes on Cofield and Company. Stanford is in. What's going on, buddy? What's up, Stanford? What's going on, bud? How are you? A whole lot. A whole lot. I'm good. I'm, uh, I want to get into a little college football to open here, and then we'll get to the Raiders. Uh, we've been talking about uh, Deion Sanders a lot today. One, the success and the yeah. turnaround in Colorado, and then two – I don't know if you saw, but Jay Norvell at Colorado State, they're playing oh, this week. Oh, I saw it. Yeah, took a yeah, shot at him, it. mentioned the glasses and the hat. Um, what did you think of that? Is that just good old fun to stir up the rivalry? Is there something deeper there with uh, Norvell uh, being kind of judgy? I don't think I don't think it's anything deeper. I just think that, uh, you know, with Deion Sanders and his approach and him having more of that player type of mindset. And when you think about coaching in college football, just in, in the NFL for that matter, you think of coaches to be more presidential, more buttoned up, more conservative. Well, Deion Sanders isn't any of that. He's authentic. Yeah. And I think that rubs a lot of people the wrong way because a lot of people feel that coaches are supposed to act a certain way. And if they don't act that certain way, well, then that's just not the way we do things. And because Deion Sanders brings a different approach, I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah, well... The, uh, the guys who act a certain way, I'm kind of done with them. I don't buy into it with everyone because we know a lot of them preach one thing and then do another, and we could go down the, yeah. the laundry list of whatever, Art Bryles and Joe Paterno and uh, other guys who turn out to be complete phonies who put football first over everything else in their community. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm on board with Dion. Yeah. I didn't think this would work, but he's killing it. And, uh, you know, I was joking earlier, I don't know, when it's cold out in Colorado – and uh, they're still running out to whatever, five and three, six and two, and he wants to wear a full-length mink, go ahead and do it. I don't care. You know, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. 
Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. You know, right now, like I said, they're two and zero. They're rolling. Uh, I think they're uh, they're what picked to uh, to uh, as far as as far as victors on on Saturday. I think they're picked to win by what 21, 22 points. It's higher than that, something it's, like that. Yeah, it's so, gone. It's all the way up to twenty three and a half, twenty four. Yeah, so you know, I think it's pretty safe to say that they're going to be three and zero after this weekend. And you know, uh, I think that how they play in the Pac-12, how they play against Utah, USC, Washington, that's going to be that's going to tell the entire story about their season that they're going to have. All right, what do you like most about the Raiders' victory over the Broncos? I would probably just say the fact that they won. Um, obviously you saw a big stop that they were able to make after Jimmy G was able to go ahead and lead them down for a score, uh, for, uh, I forget the receiver's name, but you guys know who I'm talking about. Um, them being able to get off the field and put the ball back into Jimmy G's hands and essentially just go ahead and run the clock out. Jimmy G picked up that big first down to go ahead and seal the victory. So I would probably just say the defense making a big stand, which obviously is something that we've seen in years past where the defense was the Achilles heel. Well, this time they came up big, made a big stop, and that helped the victory. So I'd probably say that probably, to me, was the brightest spot or what I liked most within the victory. I mean, we got to see more of this, more consistency, closing out games. And two years ago, they were really clutched down the stretch. Last year was one of the big struggles. Halftime leads, they blew a bunch of them. Uh, But I liked what I saw from Garoppolo and kind of doing stuff that you don't expect. I mean, running on a third and seven and, you know, getting two yards past the uh, first down marker, that was awesome. He was on the money and super efficient on that final scoring drive, going four or five for like 70 yards. So first time seeing Jimmy G in action, uh, you got to respect what he did. Hopefully he can stay upright and, you know, maybe they can have a good season. Yeah, that's really what it's going to come down to is Jimmy G going to be healthy. Is he going to be available? I think he's going to be able to mesh well with Josh McDaniels, obviously with their New England connection. It's just going to come down to Jimmy G being healthy. We all know that that's been his Achilles heel throughout his career, not being able to stay healthy. So a lot of Raider Nation is just waiting to see when is the other shoe going to drop. When are we going to all of a sudden see Jimmy G fall to the ground and being tackled Mm. and not get back up quickly? And that's when everybody's going to go ahead and just hold their breath. I think that if that is able to not happen this year, I think the Raiders can have a pretty good year. I don't think that they're going to wind up in the AFC title game or anything like that, but I could see the Raiders being somewhere in that 9, 10, maybe even 11 win range, maybe. How did Josh Jacobs look to you? Because I know when a guy's holding out, it's going to be that, is he going to be ready for that first game of the season? Yeah, Josh Jacob, he's fine. Obviously, Denver, they're not a bad team on the defense side of the ball. They got a good defense uh, being led by Vance Joseph. So I I, I don't really – I'm not going to draw any inferences or cast any aspersions on anything like that after the first game. He didn't show up until after the preseason was already over with, as he should have, even though, uh, like I said, he can only sign a one-year franchise tender after that July 17th deadline passes so it's going to take him some time to probably go and get his feet up under him everybody understands that I think that it may be a stretch to expect him to have yard for yard the same production that he did last year but as far as his effectiveness as far as his explosion I don't think that there's going to be any issue as far as any carryover from last year for him so I thought the defense played well Um, Wilson was accurate efficient it wasn't like he killed him from a yardage standpoint in the first half and then they absolutely snuffed him out it is interesting to me and again it's just one game but looking at pff numbers pro football focus uh four of the top seven guys are essentially defensive backs 
slash hybrid safeties because I'm going to call De- uh, Devon Diablo still a you know a safety hybrid linebacker. But between uh-huh. Diablo, Hobbs, Marcus Epps, and then uh, uh, Trevon Merrig, those guys played really well. And and listen, in the end, Crosby's the guy. But if the backbone of the defense can be that many guys, uh, you know, athletic defensive backs, do they have a chance to be at least in the middle of the league defensively? I think they could be in the middle of the in the middle of the league defensively. I think that probably would be their ceiling right. as far as probably uh, middle of the league. But I think that uh, in this game, you can win a couple of ways. You can simply have a lot of dudes out there that are just balling and have a very simple scheme. You can have a more complex scheme and 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 lean on that to confuse the quarterback. Everybody being in the right position putting guys in position to be successful, where it's simply putting them in areas where they're not strong yet, where they're not good at, where it doesn't personify their skill set and things like that. And then you have also the what's more like the blend. Okay, you know what? Let's go ahead and lean on our pass rush. And that right there is going to make our back end elite because they won't have to cover for a lot of time. You're going to see errant throws. You're going to see tip passes that wind up being turnovers and things like that. There's multiple ways to be successful on the defense side of the ball and I think the Raiders they're able to fall into one of those categories maybe not the one the first one I just named with having the dudes but simply having the right scheme calling the right plays the timely blitzes having the pass rush get to get to the quarterback up front I do think that they can be successful to a certain degree like you just said being middle of the pack and if they're middle of the pack (laughs) with the level of offensive firepower that they have I think the Raiders can be in the 10-11 win range. Wow. You mentioned the pass rush there. What did you think of Tyree Wilson's you know, first game, first-round pick? I know he was getting killed on social media, but I didn't think he was that bad. Uh, I mean, listen, when you're taking number seven overall, everybody's expecting you to turn in a Pro Bowl-level year as a rookie. Maybe not go to the Pro Bowl, but play on a Pro Bowl level and also – Tyree Wilson, along with any other highly drafted defensive lineman or defensive end for the Las Vegas Raiders, they're going to be fighting against the same rookie year that Max Crosby had. Max Crosby had 10 sacks as a rookie, and he was only a fourth rounder. And if Max Crosby had been a higher drafted player, he would have gone to the Pro Bowl as a rookie. Nick Bosa had 10 sacks as a rookie. Look at what Nick Bosa just got paid. And he won the Defense Player of the Year last year. You look at a Chase Young. Chase Young only had about seven or eight sacks as a rookie for the Washington then Redskins, now the Washington Commanders. So that's what you're going to be fighting as a high draft pick. I'm not going to go and in, in, in completely dump on the guy. It's his first game. I hope that he has a glorious Hall of Fame career. I'm not going to be one of those fans that, you know what, because you didn't come out in your first career game and look like the second coming of Bruce Smith, or, or Lawrence Taylor and go ahead and dump on the guy. I'm not going to do that because we look at Mario Williams for the Houston Texans. His rookie year was so-so. And then guess what? Mario Williams wound up being one of the best pass rushers in the league at the time. I'm not going to go and uh, dump on a guy completely. It's just, it is what it is. It was one game. Who knows what's going to happen for the rest of the season? Who knows what's going to happen for the rest of his career? So I'm going to sit back and wait before I just make my automatic assessment of it. Former Oakland Raider. Stanford Route is with us. He does the Believe in Raiders podcast with Dennis Ackerman. Can you understand why they went to West Virginia to work this week? Uh, you know, I was just trying to look up elevation. I'm like, well, maybe you know, the thinner air, it'll be in better shape. And then, then I was like, wait, Vegas is about the same elevation as Greenbrier in West Virginia, so it's not that. Like, 
Why are they doing this? And by the way, did you ever do this where you had some extended stay over where you tried to cut down on travel uh, in between games? Well, for one, to answer your question, no. And it's and it's so <laughs> crazy because yeah. the same early season game, so the same early season schedule that the Raiders have right now, we had that in 2011. Okay, I remember distinctly Denver Broncos Monday Night Football, and then we played the uh, the Buffalo Bills the following Sunday. And mind you. Remember, we're going back to Oakland. We're not just going to Vegas, which right. is West Coast, but not as far west as the Bay Area. So, no, I've never done that. <laughs> uh, I don't know why they're in West Virginia. I would imagine maybe they just don't want to be in Buffalo for an entire week. Uh, guys, I've been to Buffalo, and trust me, it ain't <laughs> nothing up there but the Buffalo Bills. Okay. That's it. So maybe that's got something to do with it. Uh, maybe Mark Davis Maybe he has a winery or something like that in Greenbrier. Who knows? It's unexplainable. Uh, But, yeah, (laughs) I know the Houston Texans have had training camp in Greenbrier, so maybe there's some sort of special facility out there, some really nice ones. Who knows? I have no idea. I'm not inside those four walls, but to answer your question, no, I've never been a part of that, but that's now the the theme for a lot of teams. If you have two back-to-back away games, instead of going back to your home city, they just pretty much kind of stay in between. That way, uh, that way it doesn't cut down on as much travel, and also you're able to get acclimated to that area or that time zone that you're going to be playing. We're very tight here, like 15 seconds. Give me a prediction uh, on the game against the Bills. Uh, man, my heart says the uh, the Raiders are going to win, but my head is saying the Buffalo is going to come out for blood after the loss to New York the other yeah. night. Wounded animal, cornered. They're going to they're going to want to fight. Stanford, have a good weekend. Good luck with your Cougars. All right, you guys be good, man. Talk to you next week. There it is. Stanford route. Believe in Raiders podcast. We'll come back about 15 minutes away from leans and likes around college football with the one, the only Brad Powers. College football slate about to uh, kick off here on a Thursday night. Just a couple minutes. Who was I watching... One of the college football analysts was talking about the facilities at Memphis uh, that they have top-notch facilities better than a lot of – that's right, I forgot your ties to Memphis – better than a lot – better than several Power 5 programs. Um, And I believe that because they're backed a lot by FedEx. So they've got money. So I'm sure their football facility is outstanding. Now that said, it's another one of those programs that is putting money in for the future to win – they're playing Navy tonight. They're a big favorite. Uh, that all said, there's no one there. Which, which is, this is a challenge around college football. That attendance in some places just is not that great. And you're, you're throwing out hundreds of millions of dollars to everyone ultimately in the group of five wants to get to power five. So you have to put the money in, you know, invested in front of results and in front of fan following. And uh, good. I was going to say, and also – when you have the neighboring school, Ole Miss, that can just take away that local fan base that you wish to have, but they're already SEC. Now, when people hear that, they're like, what are you talking about? Ole Miss, neighboring. Explain how close it is. It is so close that when I flew in for Labor Day weekend at the rental car place, she says, yeah, it's the first game of Ole Miss cars. Like, it's the first game for Ole Miss flying into Memphis. Hey. And she's like, yeah, there are barely any cars left because it's always like this for the first game of Ole Miss. Right. Not the Memphis Tigers. No, Ole Miss. no, no, no. But that, that is what everyone's striving to because the money coming from TV gives you such an advantage. And Ole Miss has a 
solid football tradition. I don't think it's been great, but they've had some really high points, and they have very passionate fans. And that's the school, isn't it, the Grove, where they've got their big tailgating area? It's Ole Miss, right, now, Mississippi mm-hmm. State? So they have diehard fans, and obviously they've got you know a lightning rod coach in Lane Kiffin, so excitement is pretty high there right now. So. And then when you're Memphis, when you do have a good, a good run, since you're not at that level yet, you get a you get Mike Norvell. He gets hot, leaves for Florida State. It's a good point. It's a jumping off point instead of a place that someone wants to stay at for ten years. I don't I don't know how they make it. Now they have the formula. If they had, and and listen, here you know we're on all over uh, Nevada right now, or at least in the two biggest markets in Reno Sparks and and Vegas on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. Um, it's where a group of five schools are all striving to get. But it doesn't mean because you spend the money, if you are overshadowed by other stuff, the fight is tough to get fans to come out. And I will tell UNLV fans, because I know right now in Reno, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are not very fired up to go see a team that's trying to fight its way out of a 12-game losing streak and facing Kansas and getting over four touchdowns in the game. I will mention a recurring theme on the show, and this is not to bash anyone, but and it's the same thing for Memphis. If you want to win at the highest level, you have to get players. And when kids come in to visit and you're trying to challenge the SEC in that region or in this region, the Pac-12, and soon to be the Big 12, when you're trying to get players, three stars, to not go to Power 5 and come to you, crowd support is big. And UNLV is going to have over 500 recruits in, in, uh, in town this week going to the game. Ooh. So, and while Allegiant is a great advantage because it's an awesome facility, and I think a lot of kids go there and they're like, my God, but it, it can be disappointing when you look up and there's only 20,000 people there. So I'm not, I'm not ripping you guys because I understand he, everyone here loves winners, right? And I believe it is they're close. They were close last year, but just so you know, and it's the same thing with basketball. You know, you want Kevin Kruger to get more DJ Thomases, especially locals who are very familiar. Fans got to show up. You got to do your part. And sometimes that's a little bit pricey, but it's a way to kind of spend into the program. Yeah, Memphis and Navy just kicked off a couple minutes in, scoreless. Uh, Memphis went off as, uh, well, you know what, I'll get an update. Right now it's 11 and a half just into the game, so Memphis favored on that one. Brad Powers, college football expert, college football better, professional better on the way. on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Brad Powers is in at Brad Power 7 up on Twitter. Brad, uh, coming out of the gates, did you uh, put anything on Memphis and Navy? Yeah, I got negative CLV for a change. I actually been in Memphis, so uh, we'll, we'll see how that does. Uh, a lot of money came in on Navy right before kick, down 11 and a half. I, I haven't seen it from Navy yet uh, so far this season. Bad performance against Notre Dame fell way short of expectation. Uh, and then after a bye against uh, one of the worst FCS teams in the country, so short of expectations by three touchdowns against Wagner. So uh, somebody saw something I didn't. Uh, seven nothing right now with Miami and Bethune Cookman. I didn't get down on this one. I did get down on Charleston Southern <laughs> plus fifty and a half last week, which against Clemson was kind of amazing because the game was tight 
at the half, I think it was 21-17. Uh, it was a blowout, but uh, Charleston Southern covered. Does Bethune-Cookman have any chance to stay in this game against Miami? Uh, no, I mean, but do they have a chance to cover a 54-point yes. spread, which yes. I believe closed as the highest in college football this year? Yes, certainly. I mean, uh, my, Miami, you would think, you know, short week, banged up after a big performance. Uh, wouldn't want to lay it on them, so uh, we'll see. Although, I think Miami put a 70 spot on Bethune last year, so it's not out of the realm of possibility, but man, plus 54 would be the only way I would have went on this one. Are you bought into Miami as a team that can make that jump to get to like seven, eight, nine wins now? Oh, certainly. I mean, yeah. I've had over seven wins before the season, so uh, I, I already was thinking that was a possibility. I actually took a flyer on them to win the ACC at 28-1, to 1, so I feel pretty good after that. But, uh, I mean, there's still work to do. they got to play at Florida State. Uh, they get Clemson at home. They're at North Carolina. So that was just step one out of three, four toughies for them. But still, I mean, you can see it. When you pop on the tape, talent levels there, uh, certainly. And I think, obviously, I think they've upgraded at OC and D.C. this year. So kudos for Cristobal for, you know, after he bombed the last two coordinator hires, he made two good ones this offseason. Uh, we get absurd sometimes on Cofield and company because we throw out – uh, declarative statements, and then someone else on the show was like, I'll bet you. So last week, uh, JVT, John Montobo, and I made an over-under bet on wins for Miami, but it's a two-year bet. So I am over 15 wins. He's under 15 wins. I like your position. Of course you do. If John, if you're listening, don't drive off the road. Brad agrees with me. Um, all right, let's get into uh, Michigan State. This whole situation is horrendous. Uh, I don't know if Mel Tucker's ever going to coach there again. For the players, I mean, talk about a distraction. At the worst time, too. Washington's coming in with a, a guy who seems undefendable and quarterback Michael Penix. So what's going to happen here with uh, Washington pushing close to 17? I'm going to go contrarian and take Michigan State. Mel Tucker isn't worth anything of the point spread as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Uh, I think the whole distraction thing I think is overrated. Uh, certainly it's, it's getting more than priced in, in the marketplace. I think perennial speaking, if you know this program, as far as Michigan State goes, they play with a chip on their shoulder. This would be one of those uh, times where they do. Now, I'll say matchup-wise, Washington is not a great matchup with their pass offense against Michigan State's pass defense, which has been a concern the last couple of years. But I expect Sparty to play a really good game. I like Sparty. You can find one of them 17s out there. I bet that earlier today. Do you believe in bulletin board material having an effect on one side or the other like – Jay Norvell taking a little shot at Deion Sanders. CSU is now catching, what, 23-and-a-half against Colorado? Not really. I mean, if you got to continue to look for bulletin board material to be motivated every day, I, hmm. I'm not a big fan, but, I mean, that's just me. Uh, now, with that being said, I mean, Colorado would be the only way to go. I mean, if you want to bet Colorado State late, uh, 24s are starting to show. I think, keep in mind, that's the bailout game. It doesn't start till. 10 o'clock Eastern, Ooh. 7 o'clock our, our time here. So I, that one's going to get high, uh, in my opinion. So wait on Colorado State if you want to bet the Rams. Uh, you might want to fire now on Colorado because, I mean, everybody everybody in their mom, again, is going to be on the, the buffs. And I'll say this, bad matchup for Colorado State. I mean, it's very similar Colorado's offense to what Washington State threw at them a couple weeks ago. And I just they couldn't defend in space. I'm not sure they can defend Colorado in space. The opportunity, though, is, start, is on the horizon. If you want to see Colorado lose, it's coming. Will it come, yeah, will it come against Oregon? Uh, that was a mixed bag last week for Oregon, uh, trailing by, what, nine late in the third quarter, and then they wind up getting the cover in kind of a ridiculous way. 
Uh, if folks thought Oregon was going to go into Texas Tech and blow them away, they didn't. What's that matchup going to be like? Uh, how, how will Colorado compete against Oregon? I don't think they'll, they'll compete very well, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, a tough spot for Oregon. I mean, that's a unique road trip. I mean, Texas Tech, a wounded animal, yep. off a loss to Wyoming. I mean, I, I just thought that was a bad spot, the fact that they were able to battle. They were down. I thought they showed a lot, the fact that they were down nine and rallied back and got the win. Uh, said a lot about them be watching it. I mean, I wasn't overly concerned. I liked what I saw from their defensive front. Uh, I, I told people before the week, I, I, I said, hey, Texas Tech's probably the sharp side, but I can't get around the bet in Texas Tech because Tyler Shuck is not very good. He yeah. turns the ball over too much for me. And what happened in the game? <laughs> the reason you didn't cover it was Tyler Shuck. So uh, uh, as far as next week goes, I'm expecting that number. We'll see what Colorado does this week and obviously Oregon, but uh, that might be a cheap number on Oregon, uh, less than two touchdowns. Hmm. Tennessee and Florida is minus six and a half. Is that too much or just right? Uh, I haven't. I wouldn't bet it. You know, run to the window at least bet it at the current number. I would mean Florida. I haven't liked what I've seen from Tennessee so far offensively. I mean, you can say you know playing possum and getting ready for the SEC schedule, but I mean when you have six points with a minute left in the second quarter against Austin P, something's not right. Uh, so they've taken a big step back from the Hendon Hooker-led offense and Jalen Hyatt from last year. Uh, they're going to play their toughest defense yet. They haven't really faced a, a tough defense. And I think in the swamp at night, Florida backed against the wall after already losing to Utah. Uh, I like. I, I mean, I bet Florida earlier. I hate naming numbers that I got, but I, I, I have a Florida position and I'm comfortable with it. I also like the under. Uh, I think that, you know, on the bright side for Tennessee, I think her defense is making strides. Penn State's up to 15. No, check that. Hey, it's 15 at Illinois. Too much? No, Illinois is bad. Uh, not a good – really took a step back this year defensively. I mean, that's where they hung their hat last year. Uh, they don't have the offensive horses as they with Penn State. I think Penn State pulls away. Even though I'm not a big road favorite guy in conference play, I mean, that's the only way to look there. Can I take a money line on Ohio against Iowa State? I mean, I could see it. Uh Ohio's been, I mean, if Curtis Rourke doesn't go down against San Diego State, I think they win that game. Uh, they just went on the road and a very good win against Florida Atlantic. Iowa State, ugh, I mean, same old, same old. Uh, <laughs> just, they didn't look that impressive, even though they covered against Northern Iowa in the last week. Was, they got off to a tough start before they rallied back. Uh, with that being said, I've been numbers, not teams. I laid two with Iowa State uh, early in the week, expecting the number to go to three. All right, numbers move significantly down. Kansas State's four at Missouri. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's kind of similar to the Texas Tech-Oregon game and that, man, they, my gut is telling me, handicapping 101, Missouri's decide. Haven't looked good the first two weeks. Kansas State's been impressive, two blowout wins. Uh, with that being said, I, I mean, if it comes, if their two teams, when, when you look at what they want to do and want to accomplish, very similar. It's just Kansas State's better coached, uh, doesn't turn the football over, fewer penalties. Man, my numbers right now at four would lean Kansas State. I haven't bet the game yet, though, as far as the side. Do I lay 40 against Bowling Green with Michigan? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. do I think – I think Michigan – I hate you saying this even. I do think Michigan's due uh, to, to, you know, stretch their legs a little bit offensively after being uh, less than overwhelming offensively the last couple of weeks. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me that Michigan – I would guess I'd prefer the total because if they end up extending, and they can go over this total themselves. Yeah, 53-and-a-half right now. 
Uh, well, you mentioned you know Michigan hasn't blown up yet. Last week was UNLV. Now UNLV's back here. They're taking on Vandy. The number started to now it's four. You signed with the Commodores. I have that two ticket. I think I'm the only guy in the world that has that two ticket. I'm pretty happy with that one. Okay. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Come seven o'clock uh, on Saturday night, but that was too short. Uh, would I lay the four and a half now? Still, probably would mean that way, but. Uh, you know, I don't think it's a high value pick right now. And I actually still bet the over. I bet the over when that opened. That was too low, in my opinion, as far as um, mispricing. Over 59 would be my preference. I, I think the go go offense uh, will get going a little bit here against Vanderbilt. Their defense didn't impress me specifically against the Y. But, but I also think Vanderbilt's offense is, is capable of getting in the 30s here. I got Virginia Tech plus seven earlier today against Rutgers. Yeah, Virginia Tech's banged up a little bit. Keeping that in mind, I think a quarterback might be out, uh, top wide receiver might be out. So that's why, if that one looks a little funky, that, that, that's kind of why. But, okay. man, uh, I don't think the quarterback's worth that much for Virginia Tech, to be honest with you. We're talking about a total now at 37 with the weather. Virginia Tech just played in weather. Yep. Uh, so, I, you know, if you gave me 20 bucks, I, I, I'm okay with it, your bet. Uh, I might end up <laughs> in the window. I was just hoping... I just was hoping with all the money, maybe I can get a rogue seven and a half. But yeah, I, I like Virginia Tech, all right. even without the quarterback. I, obviously, I watch the Rutgers games. Um, Shiano is he plays for field goals essentially. It's just ball control, um, try to play good defense, and then get in the field goal range, and maybe you get a touchdown. I I think teams that they can beat, he keeps them close. And I think what he's hoping is the teams that have more manpower, he can keep them close by going ball control. But these are the kind of games where. They might it might be a one sided game, but they might not score enough to cover seven. So, yeah, South Florida. It okay, I mean, I kind of thought that when everybody yeah. threw Northwestern in the trash, I was like, man, I don't know. I Rutgers might be halfway decent watching well, that one. I think their defense is good, and they've actually built up their lines enough that they actually have Big Ten size. Um, and the other thing is their 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 best running back actually hasn't really been healthy, so there's still some upside. But the quarterback. Uh, they got to trust them more. So South Florida and Alabama, that's 33-and-a-half. Alabama's on the road. I had a listener come up to me yesterday at the Rampart, and uh, he wanted to go with the traditional Bama is angry, bet him in the first half. What do you do with this game? I laid it with Alabama. I made it 34-and-a-half, 35, so okay. I still didn't lean that way. Uh, I'm big-time concerned about their chances of winning the national championship, but, man, South Florida's not, not very good. So even with the first-year coach, they're still trying to find their feet. Uh, I think if Alabama wants to, and that's what it's going to come down to in the second half, if they want to get margin, they can get it if they want it. It also might be important if they're up big to get a look at another quarterback too. Now, I would hope that there's some urgency with some of the backup quarterbacks yep. uh, after what Milrow uh, did last week. Uh, tell me if I'm a dummy on this one. Well, I didn't get the best number, but uh, I'm I'm still believing that San Diego State can get better. They're good on defense. Well, God dang, Oregon State's been good though, and now they're laying 25. Nah, I'm on the Oregon State. Yeah, uh, Should have bailed. I don't. San Diego State's a bad football team, in my opinion. Uh, don't believe me. Popping the Idaho State game. Yeah, and then, <laughs> you know, and then Idaho that team that yeah. Utah State beat by fifty last yep. last week. So uh, I I saw an Ohio game. I'm like, this is not a good team. They lost it. Work when they got hurt. So uh, they didn't cover last week. I thought UCLA if they wanted to could have gotten a little bit more margin. I think Oregon State so efficient offensively and defensively that, I mean, they don't make any mistakes. They can win this one by 35. Uh, Brad, i got 15 seconds left for the uh, Reno audience. Nevada plus the points against Kansas. 
No, no. Oh, boy. Not there. Wow, that was quick. Sorry, Reno. That was real quick. Brad Powers, sports.com, at Brad Power 7 up on Twitter. Brad, you're awesome. We appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. There he is. One of the masters of betting college football. He's in all these contests. And he posted tickets up there. Trust me. He's hard on himself. He posted tickets. Demond, great job. Coming up, Thursday night football. We got the Vikings and the Eagles. Stick around.